Hungarian-Canadian physician Gabor Mate, who in recent years has become somewhat of an expert in the field of addiction and trauma, explains that shame is a barrier to self-knowledge as it automatically invites self-protection and denial. When we are ashamed, we are inclined to protect. Research on this topic shows that when we communicate with someone while we're feeling, ash- while we're feeling shame, we respond in one of three ways. We move forward, so pleasing behaviours, move against by getting angry, or move away by shrinking down. Our first tendency when we feel shame is to shield up to defend ourselves, and one of the ways we do that is by creating assumptions which are often wrong, or shall I say skewed. These assumptions are rooted in painful experiences that have happened to us in the past, and these experiences affect how we interpret what is being said. So take, for example, your friend blows you, blows you off. You get angry and conclude that she obviously doesn't care about you. But Gabo Mate explains that in these situations, our anger comes from choosing the conclusion that is most painful to us instead of another that might be a lot more sensible under the circumstance. For example, her car broke down or something came up. We choose the painful choice because of shame because of the beliefs we have held mostly on the unconscious level that we aren't good enough and we don't deserve love or we are unworthy, etc. And the goal, he says, is to share these beliefs with a safe person because the more we share about our shame, the less we have those beliefs. Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of This Is Ours podcast. If you are new here, hi, hello. Welcome to our little corner of the interwebs. I'm your host, Omaina, and this is my podcast where our motto is to be unapologetically intentional. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone has had a wonderful, I think at this point it's been a month. I know I said I was going to go back to being consistent, but man, life life happens, so we move. Um, I'm sure at this point you're kind of wondering to yourself, Omaina, what the hell are you talking about? Bear with me, there's a point to this. I recently got into a thing with some close friends of mine. A thing might be putting it mildly, sort of exploded on me. I won't bore you with the details, but I think what happened is directly related to what I just explained from the perspective of Gabo Mate and also related to the topic of this week's podcast. So the long story short of the story, if there ever is such a thing, is I shared something in a group chat with some friends. And now, in retrospect, I see I probably should have done this individually and all in all very differently. But as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty, and regret is a wasted emotion. Now, I shared it because I was researching something for work, and one of the articles I read talks about how we are responsible for sharing our feelings with the people around us, because if we don't share it, how could they possibly know what we are feeling? And the idea is that we walk around with assumptions as to how um, people view us and how they relate to us but if we don't voice those assumptions or those feelings to people how can they respond accordingly so long story short i poured my heart out in this text message and i sent it out in the group chat again probably not something i should have sent over text but i did and suffice to say the end result was exactly what you would imagine miscommunication hurt feelings and the whole lot you see what i now realize a few weeks later after my brain's 
inability to pause and a lot of crying mostly done in my car is that the message I sent although some parts of it were actually about how I was feeling towards them a lot of it was how I was feeling about myself in that I had been struggling internally and somehow had projected that on the people around me so it made sense that they had reacted the way that they had so my internal struggle had influenced the way I had presented how I was feeling Another important point to note is that the shame I had been experiencing from all the thoughts that were already in my head allowed me to jump to the conclusions that Matei talked about in the explanation I gave. I had made assumptions about what was being said and those assumptions had made me react in a very defensive way which only fueled my shame and my feelings of not being heard which actually are rooted in something else completely unrelated to this conversation. I thought I was doing such a great thing by being clear about how I was feeling, but it wasn't totally about my friends, at least not completely. What I now realise about that initial post or that initial message is that it was about me too. Unfortunately, I realised this only after everything had happened and it had seemed like it was too late to walk it back. And while I completely believe in sharing your emotions and feelings with the people in your life and I don't feel like I should ever stop doing that based on this one incident. I also believe that I came at it from a place of underlying shame and that automatically skewed the words I had said even though the message was important. Does that make sense? It was so hard, so hard for me to sit with the vulnerability of recognizing this and it just compounded the shame I was already feeling and it just wasn't a good thing to sit with, trust me. Nevertheless, I don't see this incident or this thing or whatever you want to call it as a mistake, at least not after some days slash weeks of deep soul searching. It was a lesson learnt, although at the time it sucked like hell. The thing is, I needed to voice how I was feeling, even if not for my friends to know, but for myself to understand, because my feelings are valid and they need to be acknowledged. And to be fair, it's taking me a long time to recognize that. Ultimately, this situation opened my mind and allowed me and opened my eyes to a lot of things I had not even realized. So as a good friend of mine reminded me, I cannot let this deter me from ever speaking my mind. Because regardless, it's still a very important part of any solid relationship, conveying how we're feeling to those around us. So maybe the lesson is to take a step back and to really reflect on how we are feeling and to share more about those underlying feelings as well and not just the surface level emotions that seem to show up the most. So instead of just, I needed to do an extra step of really reflecting on what the the emotions I was feeling and not just what I was perceiving and assuming based on how I was feeling so basically instead of just spouting out this message to both my friends um, about whatever it is I had said really if I had taken a step back I would have recognized that I was feeling hurt and ashamed but what I was feeling hurt and ashamed for although it was kind of related to the both of them was my hurt and my shame was very much so directed towards me so you see (laughs) The funny thing in all of this, actually, is that I had just facilitated a class discussion at work 
on this Gabomate lesson on shame. So you'd have thought that I would have been able to catch myself doing this kind of perception, assumption, little mind game in real time before it was too late. But I wasn't because it really is easier said than done, which leads me to today's topic. Easier said than done. I find myself saying this, these words very often, this statement. If you're my friend and I've ever helped you process through something, I've probably said these words to you before. Over the past couple of weeks and months, I've been really struggling to navigate my way through a lot of emotions. And each time I get hit by this wave, I find myself writing down my thoughts. And before I knew it, they came together to form today's episode. At least in my head, they came together. So let me know what you think, because at this point, it's just a whole lot of thoughts from different points. But anyway, here we go. You know what? We're often taught in this era of social media to be very careful about what we put out for the world to see. And I completely agree with that sentiment. However, I also think it's important to share our stories when possible for the opportunity it gives us to process through our thoughts. At least that's my experience. And also for the validation that it gives others who might feel alone in how they're feeling, which is quite similar to how you might be feeling. I don't know when or how, but this podcast community has become my safe space. And even though I have absolutely no idea who listens, I feel a sense of relief when I speak into the mic. Writing down the notes for the episodes has become akin to journaling for me, and it's kind of become a therapeutic way for me to process my thoughts. So a special shout out to anyone who has ever taken the time to listen and has formed this safe space for me to really process and navigate what I'm feeling. But as usual, before we get into the main, the main of the episode, it's time for Gratitude Corner. For those who are new, as the name implies, this is the segment in the episode where I share what I'm grateful for. To be honest, with all the emotions I've been struggling with over the last few weeks, I'm not in the most grateful mood. But I also recognize that in the midst of all of that, I still have so much to be grateful for. So I have three gratitudes today. The first one is for my friends. We may fight, we may argue, but deep down, at least it's my hope and my prayer that we are in this for the long haul. So for any of my friends listening, I love you very much. I'm grateful for my family, fun, yeah. I had the best FaceTime call with my brother and my mom the other day and it just brought me so much joy. And lastly, I'm grateful that even with all the madness that is going on in my brain on a daily basis, I know that I will be okay. I know that the feelings of heaviness and all the things I'm processing will not be the end of me. What is something you are grateful for? Let me know. On to the main of today's episode. So I have this name necklace. A friend of mine got it for me for my graduation when I finished my undergrad. And the name on it is my dad's nickname, Zakilo. So I've had this for about three and a half years now and I wear it every day. And I don't know when, but slowly and surely it began to be this symbol, like a reminder that anywhere I was, my dad was there with me and I wasn't alone, even when I felt like I was alone. I was at the gym the other day after a long week at work, changing and trying to psych myself up for my workout. You know how it goes. And then it happened. My neck was broke. Immediately, I felt physically sick. I couldn't explain it. And the thing is, it's not the most expensive necklace. And it's not really one of a kind either. But I I felt something. 
the combination of what the gift meant for my friend as well as what the necklace had begun to that symbolized for me left me feeling very empty I knew I could and still can always buy myself another one and in fact I have since that point but that's not what was running through my mind there and then I just thought fuck and in my head that's what I was screaming right there in the gym changing room my neck felt bare and somehow I felt bare in that moment I'm sure some people are listening to this and maybe thinking I might be being a little bit overdramatic. I mean, it's just a necklace, right? Or maybe again, this is just my own inner voice telling me that it really wasn't that deep. But it's it's one of those things where it really was though. It really was that deep for me in that moment. And reflecting back on it, I, I can still kind of remember how I felt, just how bare I felt, how empty I felt in that moment. And it's one of those things where you sit and you start to rethink all the decisions you made that led to the incident and replay all the ways you could have potentially prevented it, knowing fully well none of those things and none of this thinking would repair what has been broken. But as they say, it's easier said than done to remember that in the moment when you're trying to navigate feeling empty or sad, angry or frustrated. One of my defense mechanisms that I have perfected over the years is my ability to compartmentalize. I push all my unwanted feelings and anxieties, doubts into a box and I lock it up in the far corner of my brain. And for all intents and purposes, this mechanism has served me well over the years. It allows me to be able to function without the weight of what I am trying to avoid. Definitely not healthy at all, but it has worked. And the thing is, it takes a lot of energy to keep the box closed. But this is the truth I didn't realize until recently. I'd always been under the impression that it was a pretty effortless process. And I'd been doing it for so long, I was just like, any anxiety or doubt I would have, I would just lock it up in this box and push it to the back of my mind so I didn't have to deal with it. But what I found is that even if subconsciously I'm constantly trying is that sorry even com- even subconsciously i'm constantly trying my hardest to keep the box closed so actually thinking that it wasn't taking any energy it really was taking all my energy to keep the box closed the longer the more life i lived the more lessons i learned the more triggered i was more more and more things were going into the box and it was getting harder and harder to keep the box closed now in recent times like i said it's getting harder to keep the box closed because what happens is this i get triggered and then as a result i don't have as much energy to keep the box closed so everything comes flood flooding out example my landlord recently let me know that he's going to be selling the apartment i'm currently living in thankfully my lease isn't up for a few months so we thank god and at first it was a shock like most things i mean my life has been so up and down for so many years that the idea of having a somewhat stable existence was very enticing and something I, I was very much enjoying. But the thing is, what was even more troubling about this situation was that this revelation had caused the aforementioned box to swing wide open and suddenly my brain was filled with all the thoughts, emotions and worries that I had kept so closely enclosed. This incident had triggered a lot of my anxiety surrounding lots of things, but mainly surrounding safety. I no longer felt secure in my safe place, my home. And for anyone that has ever moved away from home, you understand how hard it is to create a safe place for yourself away 
from your family and your support system. You can relate to this. And at least to an extent, I'd kind of done that. And the looming feeling of having to leave this space had created this feeling of vulnerability and insecurity that I just couldn't and still, to be honest, can't seem to be able to cope with. I wasn't able, and I still am not able to use the many, many techniques that I know and I use on a daily basis to help support my clients with their own feelings of vulnerability and insecurity because in that moment I felt like I was drowning and to be honest in a lot of ways I still feel like I'm drowning. It's a common metaphor I use actually to explain how it feels when my brain is in a tailspin. I feel like I'm drowning and I've forgotten how to swim. Every time I feel like I have reached the surface something drags me back down. And I use this statement at work and I always tell the group, it might seem like you're drowning, but every time you get pulled back up, pulled back down, you learn a new skill that helps you swim better. Doesn't that sound so poetic? But God, is it hard to believe? And it really is easier said than done because in that moment when you are drowning, all you want is to be safe. You're not really thinking of the new skills you might be learning. And to be honest, you may not even be thinking of the skills you already possess. The difficulty, the difficult thing trying to navigate, at least for me, is the knowledge that I am aware of the techniques, but the reality of actually experiencing them and believing in their efficacy in those times of crisis is hard. So basically, I'm, I'm, I'm drowning, trying to swim back to the top to catch my breath. And I, I know these things. I, I'm aware of the techniques I could use, the grounding techniques, all the things, but actually try actually experiencing it in that moment and believing that those things would will help me is so so easier said than done because the thing is we want to trust that everything will, will work out the way it's supposed to be we have faith that god has our back that there is a higher power that is working with us and for us but again maybe i'm just not spiritual enough it's easier said than done how do you believe all those things, truly believe them when you feel like you're drowning and they're no more life jackets? Writing down my thoughts for this episode, I was in my head a lot and I needed some somewhere to put it down to avoid truly driving myself crazy. And trust me, I had so many questions. It was like I was constantly psychoanalyzing myself, just trying to figure out what the hell I was feeling. So I was processing a lot of my thoughts following the incident, I don't really like that word, um, events, whatever, the thing that happened with my friends, and I was telling another friend of mine, I was trying to process with her, and I, and I told her that I was really struggling not to allow my brain to turn off, and she asked me what I meant, she was like, Omana, what do you mean by your brain turns off? I've explained on this podcast before how I have experienced these quote-unquote episodes for as long as I can remember, starting in my teens at least I think that's my earliest memory I have of it and now what these episodes feel like for me is like a switch goes off in my head and I my brain turns off and I can't really I don't know how to turn it back on I become numb and muted and I just cannot properly engage with my surroundings or with the people around me and I bring this up because reflecting on the conversation I had with my friends trying to explain this notion if that's what you want to call it of my brain going off 
and trying very hard to avoid that happening it made me further reflect on why i had gotten so defensive immediately following my friend's response to me sharing and what came up for me was that i've always felt the need to apologize for how i'm feeling when i'm going through something and maybe because my experience has been that when i'm struggling and haven't been able to express what i'm feeling to the people around me i've subconscious not subconsciously but my perception is that i've been labeled a burden and so i don't have that many vivid memories of my dad um i don't know if it's my brain's way of processing grief i don't know but i had this one very clear one i'd come back from boarding school for the holidays and i was going through one of my quote-unquote episodes And I just remember my dad turned to me and said something along the lines of, if you're going to be like this, maybe you shouldn't bother coming home. And I know that his comment came from a place of frustration, maybe, that they just, he just didn't understand what was happening with me. And I I couldn't explain it to him either. So, but the thing is, what that moment, as well as other moments in my life has created is this inability to express how I'm feeling to those around me due to this constant fear of being labeled as moody or a burden or a problem, however you want to describe it. So I don't express myself ever, actually. And it's become this learned behavior to try and hide my negative emotions for fear that it would push other people away. I heard this quote on Blue Bloods that really summed it up for me. You wrestle your demons in private as an instinct not to be a burden. And it's really just the reality of my lived experience. Being or perceiving myself as an inconvenience to those around me and constantly being told to snap out of it like I was just trying to be difficult and it was a choice. And for the longest time, I I thought it was a choice. I thought I was choosing to be that way. And that just reinforced the shame that I had felt about the feelings I was navigating. And while I completely believe in the autonomy and choice of all humans, sometimes you just don't have the skills. At 13, at 16, even now, but definitely more so when I was younger, I just didn't have the skills to communicate that I was fighting an internal battle. And I I didn't know, I, I, was, I was crying for help. My numbness and my silence was me crying for help. And it just seemed like, nobody could understand what I was going through and what this has led to is a 24 year old me still fighting an internal battle trying hard to validate myself and learn to trust that the people around me are not going to treat me as a burden even my closest friends who I would consider sisters I hesitate every time before I share something with them which is interesting because I cherish the safe space I work hard to provide for them to share with me when they are struggling, but find that even though they work to create the same safe space for me, I still feel very unsafe just in the mere act of being vulnerable. And I think this is what was triggered in that discussion with my friends. The shame I feel at being vulnerable clouded my ability to view what was being said to me as anything other than me being difficult, which led to me making assumptions, which led to me being defensive. And I'm in no way excusing what happened and what was said, any of that. 
And honestly, it took me a while to really come to this conclusion because I was really sitting in the space of victim. I was solid in the hurt I felt and what about what was being done to me. I wasn't being heard. I wasn't being validated. And although I wanted to move past this incident with my friends, I wasn't sure where to go from there because I was just so hurt. My my biggest fear had come true. My feelings had been invalidated once again and I was this difficult person that was choosing to to be difficult, basically. Even though that's actually not what was happening. That was my perception of what was happening. Which actually leads me to... It's funny, I was at work actually the day after I had written down my thoughts for this episode, a day after I was scheduled to record, and I was prepping notes for the next Gabamate group discussion we were going to have, and the lesson was talking about exploring our trauma. And one of the things that stuck out to me that is directly related to this discussion is just this idea that our trauma, past hurts, whatever it might be, oftentimes prevents us from living and reacting to the present in the present. So he describes trauma not just as what happens to us, but what happens inside of us as a result of what happens to us. And he goes on to explain that when something in the present happens that vaguely resembles a trauma from our past, we react to that past trauma and not to the present experience. So to put that into the example with my friends, when I responded to them, I wasn't responding to what was being said. I was actually responding to my past trauma of growing up and feeling unheard and not validated, which led me to be, which led me being upset and feeling hurt, which just created this whole thing. And it's also possible that my friends could have been responding as a result of the same idea. So responding through the lens of a past experience, who knows? So I sat there at work and it was like this light bulb went off. All the feelings I was experiencing as a result of what was being said to me were real. But also I was filtering them and reacting to them through the lens of my past experiences. And I needed to confront that before I was even able to truly get to what I was feeling and to start to process that and try to figure out how to move forward. And to be honest, I had to process it with my director at work because I felt like my brain was about to explode. So shout out to her. Now, this is where the hard bit was. I logically understood what had happened. But in my heart in that moment and to an extent till now, I'm working, I'm still working through it. I was still hurt by what was said to me. But progress has been made. Um, progress had been made and I could I could then now see past my initial hurt at least to a certain extent and I wasn't really stuck in the role of victim because I had this additional layer of understanding of the situation but it was still so hard for me to move through and really navigate my way through all the feelings I think I was hesitant to really dive into this idea of the underlying shame and this lesson that Gabo Mate was teaching because I was scared it would invalidate all that I had said in the message, the whole throwing away the baby with the bathwater. What I now realize is that I can recognize my hurt feelings and all of my other feelings and validate that while still holding space for the fact that the mechanism of the way that I conveyed the message could have been better. I'm intentionally not saying the word wrong because I'm trying to avoid the dichotomy of right versus wrong because I think that just leads to further shaming. 
Gabomate in his lessons talks about the importance of talking about shame. The more we talk about it, the less we have it. And it was so hard for me to even admit that I had shame in the first place. And it still is. But the moment I was able to admit that to my director and to myself and actually kind of process it a bit with her and then further with myself, I felt a bit better. Not completely. That wouldn't come until I would have a conversation with my friends and also until I would continue to have this internal dialogue with myself. But he was right. We need to talk about these things. So the lesson is staying true to myself and how I'm feeling, not shying away from sharing this, distancing myself from the thinking that the feelings I'm experiencing serve as a burden to the people around me, not apologizing for feeling the way I'm feeling, which is a very big step for me, but also ensuring that I'm not approaching it through the lens of underlying shame that will lead to me forming assumptions based on my own insecurities and past trauma and ensuring that I'm talking about my shame and really exploring what past traumas might be influencing how I'm reacting to my present life. Easy enough, right? Brene Brown talks about shame and guilt. Shame is a focus on self while guilt is a focus on behavior. Guilt says I have done a bad thing while shame says I am bad. Guilt says I have made a mistake while shame says I am a mistake. And to be honest, dealing with the aftermaths of the incident with my friends, I was really struggling with how to navigate this distinction. Was I a bad person or had I just made a mistake? And logically, I knew it was the latter, but trying to actually get my brain to believe that and my heart to align with that thought process was really easier said than done. And so trying to even communicate with my friends was hard because even though I knew I shouldn't, I was jumping to the assumptions about what our relationship was going to look like post the incident. Could it ever go back to what it was? Probably not. But does that mean it couldn't be something different? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I don't know. But there I was again, trying to remain present and not react to the present situation through the lens of my past experiences, which in itself was a struggle as well. And it, it was just a mess really, and it was hard. And it is hard when we're trying to reconcile what we know with what is going on in the moment and then getting our brains to understand that. But I'm really working on this stuff, folks. That evening, actually, after the necklace incident, my mom called just to check in and say hi. And prior to that, I was having a very meh evening. And to be fair, most times I don't even pick up FaceTime calls when I'm not feeling too great. But I picked up. She asked me how I was. And... Usually in my minor fashion, I would have just said fine and let it go. But I decided to tell her what was wrong and it helped me feel better. She validated how I was feeling and we went on to have a pretty good conversation with lots of laughs. This might not seem like a lot, but for me, it was huge. Now, am I saying that from here on out when someone asks me if I'm all right, I'm going to spill my guts? Probably not. But hey, I'm a work in progress and all of this is easier said than done. This episode really is an amalgamation of all the thoughts I've been having over the past couple weeks. And the theme really was this idea that oftentimes when we find ourselves struggling, attempting to survive through this thing we call life, it's almost doubly hard sometimes because we know at the back of our minds the things we should be doing. Take, for example, my 
experience with the shame and the incident with my friends but it really is easier said than done and I think ultimately we need to give ourselves space and the permission to work through things make mistakes and learn from those mistakes without the pressure of trying to be everything and do everything all the time the expectations we have of ourselves to follow through with the things we know when we are just trying to keep our head above water is really easier said than done So on today's episode, I'm introducing two new segments, names to be determined. The first I'm tentatively calling Dear For Myself. One of the byproducts of the work that I do is that it forces me to really reflect and confront a lot of things, which means I am constantly triggered, triggered, which is not fun. But it also means that I'm constantly learning a lot about my current self, but also about my inner child, my former self. So this segment is dedicated to her. In this, I will share with you some of the lessons I've learned from the weeks gone by in class, in work, like whatever it is I might be doing that week. So for this week, the lesson I learned is actually pertaining to shame. I was facilitating a discussion on vulnerability and shame after watching Brene Brown's TED Talk titled Listening to Shame. And in this TED Talk, she shares how shame drives two tapes. So the first tape is you are not good enough and she explains that if you can navigate your way through that the second tape is who the hell do you think you are. doesn't really say it that way but that's how I interpret it. One of the questions I posed to the group was to reflect on the tape of shame that they hear and in the spirit of working through my own crap I challenged myself to reflect on that question as well and what I realized was a tape of shame for me is that I'm on, on, I am unworthy of people staying. I'm not good enough. So I have to work twice as hard for people to stay unless they will leave. Now, I don't know where this tape came from and I need to do a lot more work to truly navigate it. But the lesson here for me was that this is the underlying shame in which I view a lot of my interactions with people, this idea that they will always leave. And this, I believe, was also apparent in the incident with my friends. So the thing is, the point of this segment is to promote this idea that we have to talk about how we're feeling, because even though it might seem easier to keep it all locked up, it actually takes up more energy to ignore than actually confronting these truths about ourselves. It's also to promote embracing the truths about ourselves we learn as we evolve and grow, no matter how uncomfortable that may be. So my lesson from that exercise was to embrace the feeling of vulnerability I have around the fear I have of people leaving and trying to navigate how I can be kinder to myself in those situations so that I can get to a point where I recognize that I am worthy of love and of people staying and I I don't have to work twice as hard um, for people to stay. And again, I don't share this seeking any kind of pity. Like, it's not about that for me. For me, it's again, it goes back to my initial point about sharing our stories to help us process, but also to help validate people who may be feeling alone. So for for me, this segment is about me processing how I'm feeling and the lessons I'm learning. But it's also about providing 
that reminder to whoever might be listening that if you're feeling a certain kind of way you're not alone and you know lean on the people around you and it's okay to kind of process and unlearn things as we grow and evolve so in the TED talk Brown shares a quote by Teddy Roosevelt and it's the man in the arena quote and it goes it's not the critic who counts it's not the man who sits and points out how the doer of deeds could have done things better and how he falls and stumbles the credit goes to the man in the arena whose face is marred with dust and blood and sweat when he is in the arena at best he wins and at worst he loses but when he fails and loses he does so daring greatly by sharing this quote she explains that we need to do life in spite of the shame because the critic in the arena who points and laughs is us 99% of the time. And I just thought that was such an amazing interpretation of the quote and I just needed to share it. So on to the last segment of the episode. Anyone that knows me knows how much I love television. It's one of my favorite pastimes. So this segment idea was actually proposed by my uncle. He had called to ask me for some recommendations of some movies I thought he would like. Um, So this segment, named to be determined, is the part of the episode where I will recommend a TV show or a movie that I've watched and enjoyed. Today's recommendation is Game On, and it's a YouTube series on Indani TV. For those who are not familiar, Ndani TV is an online media platform for original African entertainment and as an African that lives in the diaspora it definitely helps to be able to consume content made by Africans for Africans. Helps me a lot when I'm feeling homesick. So the show Game On it centers around two couples Emi and Leye and Saze and Tega and their journey navigating relationships and marriage and the show brings up a lot of important lessons on discussions that we often don't have when we're dating or even prior to getting married and ultimately it shines a spotlight on the importance of having these discussions and the consequences that can ensue when we don't have them warning the characters can be very annoying but the message of the show is important nonetheless i hope that you as you listened you got something out of this and if you did send me a dm i would love to hear from you i hope you enjoyed listening as much as i enjoyed recording i won't lie recording this episode took a certain level of vulnerability that i'm still getting used to and it was still very uncomfortable special shout out to edge the dj for the intro and outro music i appreciate you Don't forget to follow, like, comment, subscribe, and all that good stuff. Tell a friend to tell a friend. For the next two weeks, don't forget to be unapologetically intentional. I love you all and God bless.